0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.
1: This is Paul on Saturday Magazine, Saturday the 6th of December. The second most downloaded podcast of 2023 was Hilipia, who is the president of Aguda, which is an an Israeli-based the LGBTI Equality Association, really trying to help all LGBTI people within that Middle Eastern sort of region. So, one of the most comforting things that we got from the interview from Hiller was the fact that, you know, it didn't really matter about your ethnic identity, your religion. It just mattered that you were part of the LGBTI community and you needed some support. So, um, we were a bit nervous about this interview, I have to say, before we actually concluded it, because we know there's a lot of division in that area. But as Maka would always say, we're on the side of humanity. And I think what Hillapir and Aguda were doing was very much in that vein. Take a listen.
2: the armistice at the end of World War One on the at 11am on the 11th of November, 1918. Uh, we're in a time of war then, and unfortunately war is something that the world never seems to not have going on, Paul.
1: Sadly, yes, Macca, but let's move on. This is Saturday Magazine, you're on Joy, and Macca, we have our next guest on the line.
2: We do, and uh, our next guest is... Uh, Hila Peer. Hila is the president of Aguda in Israel, and that is an LGBTQIA plus advocacy and human rights organization. Good morning, Hila, and thank you for staying up so late. It's 2 a.m. in Tel Aviv, I believe. Can I ask... Hi, yes, it is. So thank you for staying up. Uh, Can I ask how, how you are personally? Are you safe at the moment?
0: Uh, uh, hopefully, I am. Yes, yeah. I'm in my apartment in Tel Aviv. I don't have a bomb shelter, so just a heads up: if there'll be a siren while we speak, I'm going to have to run down to the bomb shelter. At the right,
2: and that's you know something that um, you know people uh, you know in in Israel, in uh, you know in Gaza, in the West Bank, have to live with. Um, we can't imagine what that what that is like, um, you know, to think, you know, when you hear that siren, oh dear, you know, like I've actually got to get shelter. Um, so we're thinking of you with that, so we hope, uh, you know, that doesn't happen. I'd like to ask Hila, first off, about your organisation which was formed in 1975. How is it funded? Well,
0: the Agudah is funded almost 80% from private donors and foundations and roughly 20% from government donations and okay. cooperations that we do.
2: That's great, the, the 80-20 rule. <laughs> we, we like that. <laughs> so can I ask, uh, Hila, how many volunteers and staff uh, do you have uh, in the organisation?
0: Oh, Actually, we've been in a massive growth spurt in the last, five years. The Aguda has grown from 10 employees to 45 that we have today. Wow. And from about 100 volunteers to more than 400 that we hold in different projects today. And just to point out, the Aguda is only one of the LGBTQI plus organizations in Israel. We have over 20 organizations. That's, wow,
2: that's that's a huge, you know, huge volunteer pool and a huge number of of paid staff. Congratulations on that. And can I ask, uh, uh, Hila, where are they Are they based? Are they uh, in in Israel, obviously, but where else are they, uh, Are they, or have they been based in Gaza and the West Bank as
0: well? Well, they're not really options for cooperation with the Gaza population because of Hamas ruling over the territory, but we have a lot of programs that we operate in order to protect people who are running from the West Bank or uh, LGBTQIA people who are from the Arab society. There's a very big difference between the Jewish, Christian or other religions in Israel when it comes to LGBTQI treatment and social acceptance and between the Arab society. Mostly the Arab society is very not accepting. Of LGbtqi um, it 's very, very challenging. We actually opened a new department three years ago before because we saw a massive increase of refugees running into Israel from the West Bank, and we had to find a way to help them.
1: So, Hila, it's Paul here. Good morning again. Thanks for joining us. So, um, what you're describing is quite an unusual organization. So, just to clarify, you work with and advocate for LGBTI people of um, multi-faiths, multi-religions, multi-communities across all the different communities within your sort of region.
0: True. I mean, we don't, uh, part of our values, I think, as the gay community is to not discriminate. I posted a video a few days ago saying we know what it is to be a discriminated minority, and we do. And as part of such minority, we cannot afford to discriminate against others. So, yes, we serve every faith and religion that needs help.
1: And can I ask Hila? Um, which, is, which is great to hear, Hila. Yeah, Thank uh, you. And, you know, it's, it's quite liberating to hear those words. I know that um, we take some of those things for granted as being LGBTI people in, in some of the Western um, countries. But, you know, we recognise that, you know, the world is not safe for um, the queer community. And certainly to have an organisation like yours moving across those boundaries um, is, is quite something special.
0: And Thank I, you. I do take it for granted, but it is—it's—it's it's, it's easy to be appreciated. Thank you.
2: Can I ask? I want to come back to some of that, but I wanted to, uh, if, if I can, healer, to tell us about yourself and your journey. Um, you know, to become the president of the organisation. I'm interested, you know, a little bit about yourself, uh, what you'd what you'd like to share with, us and and your journey to where you are now.
0: well i'm I'm trying to think of what's relevant <laughs> in terms of my <laughs> you know, I have thirty eight years of history. Well, I don't really remember the first three or four years, but um I guess it was mostly classifiers and bottles, but um <laughs> but i think uh, I think the change happened when my ex-wife was pregnant with our twin daughters, and the year she gave birth was two thousand and eighteen and that year that summer we had the biggest wave of protests for equality in israel that started because of the discrimination and adoption I, I should have said in the beginning maybe there's a lot of injustice towards the gay community in israel in terms of legislation there's there's much more social accept, acceptance and it's not equivalent to how equal we are under the law it's impossible for same-sex couples to get married in Israel. We don't get acknowledged for our parents unless we adopt. Um, there's discrimination in inheritance laws and things like that. But anyway, that year was the biggest wave of protest that the gay community has ever seen in Israel, and it was sparked by the discrimination in adoption. And I was sitting at home with my newborn twins, um, and I couldn't go to the protest. And I was going insane, not being able to be there with my friends and my community. And I think that was a time when I realized that I will not only be content with being in those rallies, I want to lead those rallies. I want to scream that off the top of every rooftop in Israel. Um, And I remember looking at my girls and thinking, I want them to grow up in a better world. Um, So maybe it's the oldest cliche in the book, but I think motherhood really changed me. Um, And that was the year when I decided I I want to run for the board of directors of the Aguda. And I did. And I am currently in my second term. This means this is my fourth year of being the chairwoman of the Aguda. And it's been one hell of a ride.
2: So Hila, in terms of, say, so same uh, adoption by a same sex couple is now legal in Israel, is that correct?
0: Uh, not, not really. Not really. Um, not really. Well, the, the thing about Israel, most of our laws date back to, a, to the British Mandate. Yes. And the way that they're phrased is a man and his wife. Right. And. Even sur- even surrogacy wasn't legal in Israel for same-sex couples until a year and a half ago. Wow. And we were able to change that, even not by legislation, by the way. 99% of the progress that the gay community has made in Israel towards equality has come through the Supreme Court. So um, the, hell the, the first that... ever legislation that we've...
2: I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no, no. Please, thing. please, go ahead.
0: Uh, I, I was just about to say the first ever... I think in the last few decades, gay positive legislation that we've had was a mere three days ago. <laughs> um, in this war, in this horrible situation, we were we were able to change legislation to include same sex uh, partners who are a partner who are a partner of a soldier who fell during combat to be acknowledged as a widower.
2: Wow. Um, yeah. I want to go back to the, you know, you mentioned the Supreme Court there and your organisation has demonstrated against the current government's proposed changes to the role of the Supreme Court to lessen the oversight the Supreme Court has. Um, I'm sure that made you pretty popular with the government, uh, but (laughs) it's 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 important that, you know, your organisation... And our community, along with with other communities in Israel, is, is wanting to, you know, saying to the government, look, the Supreme Court has these powers for a reason, and the government is trying to change it. Can I ask, why does Prime Minister Netanyahu, why does he want to change that power that the Supreme Court has?
0: I will give you a million dollars if you can tell me the true answer to (laughs) that.
2: I've got got some ideas as to why he does, but...
0: (laughs) Well, I do as well, Um, but I feel like the true answer is only with him, and we can only theorize why. Bottom line is, last November, we held a staff meeting in the Abu Dhabi after... The Minister of Justice presented his judicial U-Haul, composed of 150 different bills. And we realized that all those bills put together would change the face of democracy in Israel forever. And it, ha- it will give the people in office the ability to basically stomp on, stomp on human rights and minorities. And that was something that we could not accept. So, yes, we were very much involved. In the last 11 months in the protests against the government it was very consuming so basically we're moving from four or five days a week of protesting and straight into a full war
2: i was gonna there's a lot we need to <laughs> un- unpack heal a bit uh, so that was november last year in december uh your prime minister Benjamin Netanyahu said, my government won't harm the LGBT community or the rights of any Israeli citizen. He said, we care for all Israeli citizens with mutual solidarity and work to improve our lives. That is our mission. Yet in his governing coalition is a gentleman called, uh, is it Avi, how do you pronounce his surname, Maoz? Avi Maoz, yes. Now, he's the single member of a fringe anti-gay party, and he's known for his staunch, I would say, disgusting anti-LGBTQI positions. Can I ask, how, how can the Prime Minister say, basically, we've got your back, yet he, in his government, he has someone who hates us and actually wants to roll back all the laws? So... How does you know? How does this work out politically? I mean, I, I I can't get my head around it. How the prime minister can say we've got your back, and then you know he's sharing, you know, the government the government room with someone that basically wants to destroy us. How does that work?
0: It's even worse than that. He didn't only give him a seat around the table in the government. He gave him authority over the Ministry of Education, and we're talking about the man who wants to take out every single sex ed program out of the educational system in Israel. I'm sorry. And not only Avimo, there are other people in the government. We have Veselis Motrich, who is the Minister of Economy, who used to be one of the front leaders of the protests against the Pride Parade in Israel for years. And we have another minister who called the gay community a mere seven months ago. He referred to the gay community on national TV saying, we are worse than Hamas or ISIS for the Jewish people in Israel. This is a very, 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 very bad government uh, for the gay community in Israel. So, and as for what Benjamin Netanyahu said, he said that flat out abroad, not on israeli television um, that was one of our major problems in israel that the way that he expressed his opinions and promised to have the gay communities back was not made in israeli tv it was made abroad mm-hmm. and the sentiment was as if it was made that way to not give us the time of day while calming down the international uh criticism against his government um, so wow. yes, we were very concerned and it, those two things do not work together. <sighs> that was extra fuel for our protest, no doubt.
2: I want you to stay with us, uh, Heila. We're just going to take a short break and uh, we'll come back. Uh, you are on Saturday Magazine, Joy 94.9 with Maka and Paul. Please stay with us.
1: You're listening to Paul and Maka here on Saturday Magazine. We are live from the Victorian Pride Centre and we are currently um, talking with um, he, sorry, Hila Pia, all the way from Tel Aviv. Who is the president of the Aguda organization? Thanks for joining us again, Aguda Maka. Yes, thank you. Uh, and Hila, you know, I wanted to say
2: the loss of life unfolding in the Middle East—it's heartbreaking—and the human rights violations that are being committed on all sides in this war are deeply disturbing. And we're we're thinking of everyone in that region. Um. I want to know, Hila, what are your thoughts on what will see an end to the killing? What is needed for Israeli and Palestinians, and including LGBTQI folk, to live together in peace?
0: I think the first thing we need is to get the terror organization off power in Gaza, to let the 2.1 million people have a chance of life. I mean, basically we're talking about a conflict that's between two governments. But underneath the government or the governance, it's more precise to say, there's simply people who want to live their lives.
1: And while Israelis,
0: most of it, you know, we always talk about right and left wing in Israel. Did you know that most, I would say 95% of the people living in the settlements around the Gaza Strip, the people who were slaughtered on Saturday of October 7th are left-wing. They're peaceful people. They are the people who volunteer driving kids and elderly from the Gaza Strip into hospitals in Israel when they're giving special authorizations for medical treatment. It's simply insane the way that this unfolded. Um, But I think that this is a serious wake-up call. I think that there's no way to get to peace, not for me as a simpleton, a person who just wants to live their life with peace and joy and happiness, or for the vast majority that I believe that those are the innocent Palestinian people who want to simply leave their lives while they are being governed by a terrorist organization that does not want peace or a thriving society. Hamas declares that Their effort is to destroy Israel, period. When people are chanting the Hamas chant from the river to the sea, well, hi, we have a problem with that chant. I'm right in the middle of that, between the river and the sea, uh, and their aim is to assassinate me on the way to that goal. Um, So we need a path for peace. A path means a government that wants to thrive. They want a society that's able to live. And I ache as a mother every day for my kids and for the kids in Gaza. I can't imagine the situation that they're in. It's simply horrible. But there's like I, I feel like we're so tied to the horror that that governance is inflicting over that pop- population that we have no one to even try and make peace with. I mean, even if I, as a very liberal person that is not even conservative, would be the one in charge of Israel wanting to make peace, there'll be no way. We need two parties. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah, totally.
0: we Mm -hmm. We need two sides aiming to just be for Israel to be able to step back. But in reality, the last few years has been a horrible for the people living in, in the settlement. And I don't think there's been a lot better for the people living in Gaza. Mm. But I feel like there was no way to make any progress since 2007 when uh-huh. Hamas overthrew Fatah and forcefully took over governance in Gaza. So, Hila- um, And the, the, yeah, I'm sorry.
1: So, so- there are currently like 90 Palestinian LGBTI folk, um, with asylum in Israel. And I just want to point out here that, you know, the queers for Hamas or queers for Palestine, which seems to join the LGBTI advocacy with Palestinian liberation. Yeah. The reality is that being an LGBTI person. Um, let alone demonstrating for, the, for their rights in Gaza, you risk um, execution by Hamas. Um, what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on such advocacy there and the demonstrations?
0: I feel like the gay community, the queers for Palestine are being gaslighted here by Hamas and are being misled. And I am all for freeing Gaza. What does that even mean? Does freeing Gaza mean from the river to the sea? That's a different genocide, just over a different, over a different nation. That doesn't make any sense. But if freeing Gaza means, <clears throat> and if we're talking about the LGBTQI values and morals, freeing Gaza means freeing Gaza from a governance that is Sharia law, obligating and will assassinate any person with a sexual orientation or gender fluid. So maybe the first step should be to free Gaza from that governance. And with that aspect in mind, it just baffles me. It seems to me as if every LGBTQI plus person on the planet should be against care organizations. And that should be the first step here. So And I know the sentiment that queer people around the world are feeling when they see the images coming out. That's the worst gaslighting that could ever be by Hamas. They're using the population. So right now, this is like, we're stuck between the rock and the hard place trying to make progress. And to give, if I would, I speak to gay people in Gaza. over over Facebook with their fake accounts. They reach out to me. And there's one guy that I've been talking to for the last four or five years. And he wants to come into Israel and he can't. And he's very deep in the closet. And he hates Hamas to the bone. Because he has no future there. No way. He'll, He'll be outed. He'll be executed. Do you know how many people have been murdered in Israel? who have run away from the, West, from the West Bank a year and some ago. A guy that the Agudah has been escorting for the better part of the last two years, who's been hiding in Israel because he was giving death threats by his family, 10 days before he was supposed to get on the mm-hmm. plane because he got his resettlement to Canada, he was kidnapped by his cousin back to the West Bank and murdered. A few months ago, an 18-year-old girl from the north of Israel, from the Arab society, was killed. She was assassinated in a hit ordered by her brother. It was three years ago that a 16-year-old child who ran away from the Bedouin society in the south of Israel and was hiding in an LGBTQI shelter in Tel Aviv was tracked down by his cousin and stabbed outside of the shelter. So if we're talking about liberation for the people of Gaza we're talking about firstly liberating them from the chain of the Hamas governance that is depressing them and threatening their lives
2: they they are their you know their heart-wrenching stories and I think all lgBTqi folk face oppression in in different ways and you you've asked, for our communities around the world to stand in solidarity against oppression, can I ask, what does true solidarity look like for people who face oppression? Because the the people in Gaza, the Palestinians in Gaza, they would say that they're oppressed, not just, I would say, I'm saying this, that Hamas is oppressing them, but they would say that Israel is also oppressing them. What do you say to them um, how do we stand in solidarity with Palestinian folk, and particularly our community uh, in Gaza and the West Bank? How do we stand in solidarity with them?
0: Well, this everything goes back to how things rolled up to where we are today in 2023. Israeli, Israel stepped out of Gaza in 2005. There was not a blockade. Ever since then, when Hamas took over in 2007, there have still been people from Gaza coming in to work in Israel and then going back at the end of the day, back into Gaza. When security situation gets worse, when rockets are fired, when there are bombings, bomb attacks, when there are attacks on civilians from the, people, from the terrorists coming in from Gaza, then obviously Israel has to close gates. I mean, security-wise, this is a very, very, very big challenge. So I feel like if that's where this started from, then I don't believe and I completely understand the queer movements that are talking and expressing their values and standing in solidarity with the people in Palestine. It doesn't have to be queer people in Palestine for the queer people around the world to have values and say, do not oppress those people. But the truth is that the people who are oppressing them is their own extreme governance right now and have been so for the last years, ever since 2007. So to be able to make progress for the general population, I'm not narrowing this down to the LGBTQI, I'm looking at it through the queer angle. I'm not limiting it to queer people. And if I'm looking at it through those lenses, my queer eye, that I want all the people there to have a good life and the option of a good life that's not oppressed.
2: Yeah. We're out of time, Healer, but um, I wish we had longer. I want to thank you for speaking with us. and, And, you know, I want to acknowledge and commend your organisation, it's a very difficult time, people will have lots of questions they would have liked us to ask, but I want to acknowledge that you work with and advocate for Muslims, for Christians, for Jews, you know, for Palestinians, for Israelis and Arabs, regardless of their race, regardless of their religion. Um, I can't imagine how difficult that is in the current environment, um, Thank you for your work. Thank you for your time. Um, I do hope that the people, the folk uh, in Gaza, um, I do hope this war ends and ends soon. Innocent people dying—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's not on. It's not acceptable. Um, so. <sighs> Once again, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Please stay safe, continue your work, and please tell all your volunteers, colleagues, and employees that we value the work you do. Um, It's incredibly difficult, so thank you.
0: Thank you, and God willing, in not too long from now, we'll be able to to have a cooperation with a new organization for LGBTQI rights in Gaza.
1: Thank you, Hilla. Stay safe. Stay safe.
0: Thanks for listening to another JOY podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community
1: media organisation, JOY. Help us keep JOY on air. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community.